you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fanfiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fanfiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Marcus. Hey, fellas. Marcus here. I don't know who you were expecting, but uh, happy to write this week. Very, <laughs> very excited. Good. So excited to, uh, to this do is, this. This is exciting. So um, we're doing the 15-minute pitches again. I know this is probably the last time I really have to mention it since it's been like three weeks since we did Dueling Sham Fictions, but we're going to keep it short. So I'm gonna be yes. talking about the limited pitch sessions for a month. Yeah, no, exactly. So <laughs> I'm gonna start the timer. It, you know, until Ooh, everybody right now, it, right, right here? now, oh my right goodness, before I, I tell you what we're talking about. Here we go. Oh my. Yikes! I'm Three, scared. Two, this, one. I'm scared. Begin. We are covering the film Brick. Ooh. The written and directed by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Brick. I, I know how you knew I hadn't seen that one. <laughs> Well, how? Tell me how. Huh? Oh, uh, because I am a well-known disliker of Looper. There you go. Why oh, would you want to watch is. a Ryan he Johnson is, film? He's notoriously against Looper. Yep. So, and I like I like liking things. So. Nice. <laughs> well, this is the film that stars a wee babe, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This is a a high school film, which is awesome. But you know what else it is, Marcus? It's not just a high school film. It is also a film noir. It is like a, a gumshoe murder mystery set in a high school. And you, that's yeah. That's I suppose we should probably like explain like what a film noir is. We should also probably explain that the reason that Marcus brings up Looper is because Brick is by the same director, Ryan Johnson, who is also currently in the midst of directing the new Star Wars. Star Um. But uh, yeah, this I'll was the film that, that broke Ryan Johnson out, um, <laughs> his first big feature film. But yes, film noir. This is what we're talking. We're talking like Big Sleep, Maltese Falcon, you know, these, you know, we usually think of Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney in the 40s for, for film noir, you know, detective stories, lots of, I won't say violence, not necessarily, but dark subject matter. Oh, yeah. And in this case, kind of a detective story, as, Mar- as uh, Eric said. Yeah, there's drugs, there's crime, there's murder, most foul. And the thing that is so fantastic about this little film is that all of the characters, even though they are all in high school, they're all kids, they all speak and act as if they are in a 1940s film noir crime movie. Like, they all speak with that sort of heightened language, that unnatural sort of, uh, unnatural sort of speak, and I am not smart enough to actually spout any of that uh any of that rhetoric so may- do they call people dames oh yeah they could 
They yeah, certainly could. They sure, they, they sure, I don't know if they ever explicitly do, but that would fit. That would definitely fit <laughs> in. Happening. And so there's this really fun juxtaposition between this kind of heightened language and the high school aesthetic uh, where uh, it's just, it's it's unexpected and fun. And there are like uh, bosses, like crime bosses in this thing. Uh, the main character, who I always call Brick, but his name is not Brick, uh, <laughs> kind of fulfills this, this uh, kind of loner detective uh, role really well. So uh, let's get into the characters really quick. There aren't really that many that we have to get into in detail because this film follows the main character, Brick, really closely. Um, his, his name isn't his Brick. Name isn't Brick. <laughs> his real name is uh, Brendan Fry. Brendan Fry. And he is uh, JGL, the wee babe JGL. Oh, he's so little. And um, he is kind of modeled after another character that you wrote in a previous episode of Sham Fiction, actually. Christian Grey? No. No. Sorry. <laughs> Anastasia Steele? <laughs> <laughs> All good guesses. Uh, he's actually modeled after Spike Spiegel from uh, Cowboy oh. Bebop. Uh, so he's this very cool cucumber sort of character. Uh, he's he's always uh, he's always got his hands in his pockets. He's kind of brooding. He's got a cool haircut. He actually kind of looks like a young babe Andrew Neil, uh, but with glasses. If that and way hotter and way hotter, <laughs> way well, hotter. Well, don't sell yourself short, baby. Oh, thanks, thanks. Mostly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, every s- yeah, I, I would describe I would describe Brendan as, and I think I used this word while we were viewing. That guy is unflappable because he it keeps his cool um and he isn't he isn't afraid to take a beating in order to get what he wants so he is our main character he is our viewpoint character um for this story and because he has the most emotional stake in it because we're just gonna set it this story it's a murder mystery and brendan's ex-girlfriend emily was murdered by someone and Brendan wants to find out who, and not just who, but why, and who was all involved in it. He doesn't just want to find the murder. He wants to. He wants the whole story, everything that happened that led to this. So that's what he's investigating. Yep. And uh, Emily, referred to as M, um, the what kicks off the whole story is that uh, Brendan gets a note in his locker from M that just says basically be at this. Uh, this uh, phone booth at this time uh, and he does and she calls the phone booth and basically is calling for help like hey I, like I need help uh, something's wrong I'm really in a in a in a bind um, but uh, doesn't really give many details it's left very vague and um, Brandon has to kind of track her down and figure out what's going on and before he can she winds up dead and uh, that's kind of what kicks off the whole thing. Yeah, and it's pretty clear that Brendan has done this sort of thing before. Um, this isn't the first time he's been like on the case of something like this. Um, he's kind of well known as this detective character in the high school, yeah, and he's known as a loner. You know, he's not really part of any group. Like you will see uh, a lot of uh, sort of what might normally just be cliques in a regular high school movie, but presented as mm-hmm. like a gang. Or a um, a criminal organization. Sometimes uh, we like one of the cliques involved in this uh, story is like the drama kids, 
um, who I don't really know how to describe them. They're kind of they, they it's like they're they're involved and they have information, but they're not always willing to give it up. Um, we have some things that look a little bit more like criminal organizations where you have um, like some drug dealing is going on and you have characters who kind of employ other kids to like be their muscle or be their um, their transporters or whatever um, and so yeah let's just kind of get into yeah. what those characters are like what their names are and kind of the roles that they fill because yeah. that's about as much as you need yeah, to know exactly and um we'll start with the people close to brendan which really aren't very many brendan has an informant uh and an information guy uh who uh his name is help me out here brain 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 so he's got uh, basically his only friend in this story is a guy named brain who hangs out at the library and reads books and wears glasses and just kind of knows everything knows people's numbers knows where people's lockers are uh if he needs to rummage around through their stuff um he is the information guy that brendan turns to and kind of talks through the cases with so he if he's the closest thing brendan has to a partner Yep. Um, and then a lot of these other characters in the story, they're kind of, they don't all necessarily need to be in your version, um, but they're mm. good tools to have in your toolbox for if you need a certain archetype. Uh, so, for instance, if you need a criminal mastermind who's kind of at the top of the pyramid, his name is the pin. So that's the pin. If you need a muscle that works for the pin, his name is Tug. I, I assume because he likes tuggies. I don't know. <laughs> Which is the, the joke that Andrew and I were constantly making while watching this film the other night. And we thought it was hilarious. Oh, we're so funny, guys. Um, if you need a femme fatale, her name is Laura. If you need a, uh, a greasy stoner punk, his name is Dode. It's kind of a greaser dude named Dode. Uh, if you need a drama babe who's shacking up with Dode. Her name is Kara. And, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's most of it. Uh, Andrew, tell me about the, the faculty of the school. Yeah, so this is the part that this movie doesn't explore too much, but that I really liked what it hints at. So the faculty, are they're the brass. They're the law. You know, so we, they're kind of treated, because again, Brendan isn't representative of a cop. He is a private eye. So the, the cops are the faculty. They're the adults. And they're always on the outside of things. They're brought up. We see the vice principal once. And a couple of times. Brendan seems to have it in with him. And so they kind of work off of each other. They use each other. But Brendan operates outside of the law. <laughs> sure. And um, in this story, like, you'll see, um, you'll see Brendan kind of wheeling and dealing with the brass. It's like... Brass have authority over him, but um, but he does help out the brass in you know to try to figure out these mysteries to kind of solve what's going on. So they'll kind of wheel and deal like, okay, well I'm going to do this, but then you have to stay off my back. I don't want you showing up in homeroom looking for me because I'm going to be off, not mm. at school, doing you know solving this mystery. Like you got to leave me alone. And so it's kind of cool. So there, there's no actual police or anything in this exactly. story. Yeah, no, it's all all kind of set. It's local. all representative. Yeah, like what I really like about this film is how these it, it fits the noir template so well, but it doesn't use any of the noir settings, you know, and the characters aren't 
you know, they're they, they're representative of these archetypes while without actually being them. So it's kind of like if you do a Shakespeare adaptation and set it in a corporation today. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Use this as set dressing for mm-hmm. the archetypes that we've seen in the original type of material. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this all takes place in Southern California, if you just need some aesthetic sort of thing. So it's like it's a high school where, like, everything's outside. The lockers are outside. It's all open, uh, you know, hallways. And it's like a campus more than a single building. Um, So you have, uh, yeah. You know, I was actually surprised watching this. It doesn't really look like Southern California other than that. Because it just, it's kind of dreary and gray the whole time, which sort of fits the noir thing. But at the same time, it's a lot, you know, brighter and more daytime driven than a regular noir would be. So, just yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's in the characters and the design of the story. Um, yes. That feels, has that noir element. Yeah, man. So it's like... Is this a yeah. black and white film? No. No. It's color. It's, it's, and it's a talkie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good to note. Good to know. <laughs> I was going to just use uh, title cards in my fiction. No, no. Sorry, avoid that. Um, so there are some uh, words that I'm going to uh, going to tell you about. <laughs> These are important right. words in the story. Things that, um, that uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Brick. Brendan. <laughs> uh, Brendan is following. His name isn't Brick. These are words that, um, that uh, M told him on the phone when when this whole thing began that he didn't understand so we have some important words like brick is one of the words what is brick tug is one of the words what is tug i kind of already told you that one frisco what is frisco and also pin what is pin i also kind of told you that one so these are sort of leads that he is following. He's trying to figure out what do these mean? How do they relate to M's death? What was she into? Uh, and who kind of orchestrated this whole thing? Who's behind it? And it's really simple. We still have like two and a half minutes, but I personally don't have any other details. It's very open. I just solved the mystery. Well, I will, I will use these two and a half minutes to ask a couple Good. questions. Then. Let's do it. Uh, first, what's the name of the school? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Brick University. Go. Get it. Uh, how is M's body found? What are the details of the crime scene? Yes. So M is found in a culvert, um, just a drainage ditch, a concrete drainage ditch, kind of splayed out in the water. It's pretty more. It's pretty more Found by Brendan. Yep. Brendan finds her. Yes. Good to note. Tracks down I mean, the place. Blunt trauma. Uh, I believe cutting. it's a, isn't it a gunshot or something? Yeah, she was shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and he was seen at the scene when he finds her, so there's also some suspicion that a character or two thinks that Brendan is the one who actually did it. So it kind of gets all Spider-Man-y, and he turns into the villain for a while, and he has to prove himself innocent. Gotcha. Yeah. But like like uh, Andrew said, he's unflappable. That doesn't really bother him. He's he's a cool cucumber. So you you want me to solve the crime in the story? Is that what you're going for as a potential scene? I would say that'd be appropriate. I'm not going right. to dictate that that's what you have to do. It's not not a bonus point or anything. But it's you know you're you're trying you're solving a mystery. Whether or not he actually does solve the mystery is up to you. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Well, this sounds like a lot of fun. I, I'd thought about watching this movie many times. Maybe I'll do that after this. Oh, please do. 
Um, yeah, do it. It's worth it. Definitely. So bonus points now. So uh, mine is going to be very, uh, very simple. It's just a, a, a character that I... <laughs> it's he's, he's not a very important character, but I nope. love the way they talk about him in the movie. Um, just because it, it is uh, somebody you can use. Uh, if you need a long-haired lug, his name is Chuck <laughs> Burns. <laughs> so my bonus point is to include Chuck Burns the long-haired lug. That's it. <laughs> All right. Yep. Just hearing that, because again, we ha- we should have like written down more examples of the language used in this movie because it's so specific. But that's like they, right there, kind of picks a, paints a picture of it. Yeah, like he's re- referring to this guy as a long-haired lug. Come on, that's good. That's fantastic. Do they do like voiceovers at a running thing in the film? So that leads into my bonus points. So I really want you to use Brendan's uh, first-person narration. Yeah. Um, and I want this to feel, this is gumshoe narration. This is crime noir style narration for the story. So right from his perspective and give it that flair. All right. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're out of time. We actually managed to cram all of our bonus points and everything into the 15 minutes. So go team. Um, go team. if there's, if you can ask another question, if you'd like, before I, before I let you go, Marcus. So anything else you need to know? I'll do one more question. I expect that the answer is no, and I'll just ignore it. But uh, do they play in the film at all with the reality of high school shootings? Or is this just entirely used as a backdrop? The answer is no. Okay. It's nothing about the culture there. There's nothing really realistic about high school in this. It is the realism that exists is more in the crime universe like the police sort of procedural sort of reality that is there like yeah it's like this will be any sort of on top of it yeah Yeah. and and plus uh m was not shot at school she was found you know in this drainage like culvert so it's not actually that's not present at school all right there you go well, I'm off to crack the case, guys. <gasps> See you in a All bit. Right, good luck. All right. Looking forward to it. Hey, podcast people. If you like subscribing to things, I highly suggest you subscribe to Sham Fiction. Even if you don't like subscribing, it's, it's a good habit to get into. Why? Because when you subscribe, you'll get a new episode of Sham Fiction delivered straight to your magical pocket device every single Sunday. If you're feeling generous, you could rate our show as well. Either way, subscribing on iTunes is the best way to tell us that you're listening to Sham Fiction, and that helps us out greatly. So thanks for listening to the show. I hope you're enjoying it. Let's get back to it. Andrew Neal. That's me. Uh, Marcus is writing Brick, and that's crazy, and I don't know what to expect, but I want to know what you think is going to happen when Marcus writes Brick. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen either. I think this one is going to take us both by surprise, and the one thing that I hope he really embraces is my bonus point, which was Mm -hmm. the gumshoe narration, and kind of building off of that, my secret bonus point, because this is so gumshoe. I want a detailed or very gumshoe-like description of a woman's legs at one point. 
Even okay. just the word gams works. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know? Right. He, he, he specifically mentioned the word dame when we pitched it to him. He's like, does the, yeah. the word dame be fitting? I'm like, yes. So if he says dame, he's got to say gams, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That dame had gams from here to ya yeah. I gotcha. What if that exact line that you just said is in this... You, yeah, I, I, I will stop listening. Uh, I will just throw my <laughs> my headphones off and just give uh, him full marks. Yep. Just stop right there, Marcus. You got it. Shut up. We're good. <laughs> you know, for mine, I'm I'm trying to figure this out, and we we mentioned the word brick a few times, but we didn't actually tell him what the brick was. Right. No, it was part of the in mystery. The movie. Yeah, and 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 what is what is the brick in the movie? Oh, did we not tell that to people? No, I don't think so. Okay, a brick, it's just drugs. It's like a brick of drugs. It's a, it's it's a, a brick cons- of drugs. Yeah, it's. I think it's heroin, but I'm not sure. Okay, let's let's go with that. I, I think I'm just going to be impressed if we actually find out what the brick is, because I, I could be wrong. I really don't think we told him what the brick was. We didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if he tells us what the brick is... Uh, he That's gets my, my extra bonus point. And you know, it doesn't even have to actually be drugs. No. As long as he has a good thing that is a brick. Like, if somebody gets killed by getting bludgeoned to death by a brick, like an actual brick. That would be fantastic. I think he would get the points that To be that honest, way. I would be more pleased if it wasn't drugs. I think, like you said. I yeah. Because the, the whole drug MacGuffin in that movie is just kind of like, eh. It's a little weak. It's just kind of, eh. It could be better. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for something a little more bloody violent. So um, if he does that, all the points. All of the all points. All of the points. All right, let's bring him in and listen. Hey, you cool cats. <gasps> Ready to read a little mystery for you. Yeah. Something I call... I am a captive brick. audience. Brick. We're doing brick this week? We're doing brick I'm, this week. I'm excited. I, I, I did a prediction thing. segment about a completely different movie. I, <laughs> yeah, oh, we got this all wrong. We got I mixed screwed up. This Sorry. Up. Well, oh, like well. all white men, make sure you blame me for your mistake. <laughs> uh, do all white men blame Marcus for their mistakes? Is that <laughs> a new thing? Anyone but them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I get it. I thought you were just... Never mind. All right, Story, do please. this thing. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. It's Kara at the door. A week ago, a pair of legs like that would have had me in trouble faster than Jay the Bruiser rushing the quarterback on Friday night. Today, they barely register. Without Em around to get jealous, I don't much see the point of dames. I tell her to come in and she slinks on into my office. You've been causing quite a stir, Fry. That's supposed to be funny? You tell me, she says. She grabs a chair and spins it around to sit on in a way that almost makes me reconsider my policy on dames. I do my best <laughs> not to notice the skirt she's wearing. She's tugging on her long, blonde hair. I take it you got my message. It was a little vague. She reaches into her top and out comes a crumpled sheet of paper with my handwriting on it. Just four words in a signature. Brick. Tug. Frisco. Pin. <laughs> I scan her eyes as she reads each word aloud. Nothing. Of course, the drama kids are always hard to read. Don't act dumb, I say, playing a hunch. I know about your call with M. Her eyes flash before her lips can lie. I hadn't heard from Emily in weeks. Word in the halls is you were the last person to see her alive. 
She drops the note as her hands go back to her hair. I haven't seen her do that before. She's playing dumb. She's acting like a real lug. <laughs> and who's been spreading that word? I ask. Information like that doesn't come free, she says. A girl's got to... Let's get down to brass tacks here. I cut her off. I know Dode got into trouble sneaking into the teacher's lounge. He's looking at a one-way trip to a GED if no one intervenes. But it just so happens that Mr. Claremont owes me a favor. You tell me about him, and your boyfriend gets to stick around for his third senior year. <laughs> the smile drops, but so do the lies, replaced by a bit of panic. This isn't something you want to get messed up in, Brendan. M's gone. Just leave it at that. She's not gone, doll. She's dead. Murdered and tossed in a drainage ditch. If she called you, I need to know why. If I tell you, they'll kill me, Kara says. Her melodramatic words are partnered with a better swell of tears than I've ever seen her with on stage. She makes it out the door before I can clear the room to stop her. As I stick my head out in the hall, she's already gone and the sea of people past first period. Brick, tug, Frisco, pin. I think of the bits of conversation I heard from M before she died. She knew it was coming, and this is what she chose to tell me? She had never been the I love you type, but still. Pin and tug had been easy. The pin was a boss, and tug was his muscle. The classic brains and bronze combo. Everyone knew their reps, even if they didn't know the mugs attached to them. Hmm. Those fellows were bad news, but they ran a civilized racket. They only killed when they had exhausted the more profitable alternatives. My girl would have been worth a lot more to them alive than dead. Frisco had taken me some time. Turns out Francisco Hernandez was the subject of M's last history project. The court physician to the King of Spain back in 15, who cares? <laughs> Brian had found M's locker combo in the school registry, and I saw she had called Hernandez Frisco in her shorthand. She had been checking out books about him in the library. I forced my way through some of them, and it was almost enough to make me think she could have offed herself. Brick was, well, everywhere. School had a brick facade, and there were scattered bricks all around the ditch where I found M. There wasn't much to go off of. I was hoping that Kara could give me some information. I'd been avoiding a visit to the pen until it was absolutely necessary. I always walked away from my meetings with him, owing more than I got. And Tug had given me a few bruises in the past as well. But if Kara wasn't talking, there was only one option. I make my way back across the room to grab my coat and pick up the paper Kara had dropped on the ground before she left. That's when I noticed something. Next to my note, she'd made her own inscription. Cocaine. The little letters barely <sighs> visible under the word brick. That settles it. The pin owns half the drug trade in the school and all of the hard stuff. It's time for me to pay him a visit. The smell hits me before I find the bodies. The pin and tug don't look so intimidating when they've got a pair of holes in them to match my dearly departed M. <gasps> the old storage shed on the edge of campus that the gentlemen had been using as their base of operations had plenty of compartments to hide things in they didn't want the teachers to see. I bet in all their time here they never thought they'd be hiding their own dead bodies. <laughs> I leaned close to get a better look at the pair. There had been something off about the bullet hole in the back of M's neck but she'd been too waterlogged for me to get a good read on it before the teacher showed up. The pin and Tug have the same tiny entry wounds. I grab Tug's massive shoulders to bring him closer. Then I feel sharp crack on the back of my head and my lights go out. Hmm. Two things surprise me when I wake up. The first is that I wake up at all. The people responsible for M, the pin, and Tug dying clearly don't have a problem with murder. The second is that I'm back in my office, 
reason why doesn't take me long to figure out. It's been scattered with M's things. Stuff that wasn't in her locker or on her body when I found her. Someone's trying to frame me. I find my glasses, and as the room comes back into focus, so do M's last messages to me. It all starts to make sense. Brick, tug, Frisco, pin. And the call to Kara. <laughs> Here I thought Kara wasn't being helpful, but it was so obvious. Her best performance to date. If I make it out of this alive, I might just have to kiss her. <laughs> I take the steps two at a time down to the shop room, knowing the teachers will catch up with me any minute. In my haste, I realize I forgot my piece. Hopefully I'll be able to come up with something. <laughs> I don't bother with subtleties. I kick in the shop room door, and sure enough, there he is. Chuck Burns, the long-haired lug. <laughs> bent over a circular saw. Carving up a two-by-four, a massive pile of sawdust on the shop floor. He shuts off the saw at the sound of my entrance and immediately pulls on his long hair, sweeping it behind his shoulders. In the rush of it all, I actually laugh remembering how good Kara's impression of this had been. Hello, Fry, Chuck says. He fingers the nail gun on his tool belt, and I try not to think of what it would feel like in my spine. I trace the line running from the gun to a nearby compressed air tank. You killed M, I say, scanning the room for the rest of the woodworkers. But I don't see any. Then I remember it's third period and most of the lugs have P.E. She found out about my operation, and she threatened to take it to the pen. You are cutting his supply with sawdust. Not a very smart move. <gasps> I inch my way closer. If I can get that line free, I might have a chance. Oh, to the contrary. I got to sell twice as much product, and half of it was out dealing the pen a cut. And your precious Emily chose the wrong topic in history class. Frisco. Did you know that no one had ever checked out the original Latin volumes of Spanish medicine from the 16th century? They'd been the perfect drop point until one of my bags went missing. I checked the registry and saw little Emily had taken an interest in Hernandez. Wasn't long after that, my nail gun took an interest in the back of her neck. Shame. She was pretty hot. Now or never. I dive forward and hear the rush of nails flying over my head. With a roll, I grab the airline and pull hard. The tube comes free with a hiss of compressed air. But my victory is short-lived. As I reach up to adjust my glasses, the lug grabs me by the shoulders and pulls me to my feet. My stomach falls as I realize the circular saw is still on. Oh. <laughs> I really didn't want to kill you, Fry, Chuck says as he drags me over to the workbench. You would have been the perfect scapegoat. The little detective snapped and killed his girlfriend and her dealer. She called out for you when she knew she was going to die. Did you know that? I told her we could have a talk, but she saw the tank strapped to my back, the gun at my hip. She called out your name and you weren't there for her. You will be soon and Kara will take your place as my fall girl. Chuck slams my face onto the bench and begins to drag me towards the spinning blade. I struggle, forcing him to hold me with both hands. The buzzing grows louder and louder as the whirring gets nearer. I think of M and how she'll never be avenged. I think of the pin and tug and the woodworkers, the woodworkers who will replace them. I think of Kara, another woman I've... <laughs> Kara, that beautiful long-legged, long-haired thespian... In an effort to restrain me, Chuck had forgotten to pull his hair back. I have one chance and I take it. I let go of Chuck's arms and instead of trying to push myself up and break free, I reach down, grab onto the table, and pull my head past the saw. It works. Chuck loses his balance and his hair gets spun into the blade. With a sickening lurch, his scalp is pulled clean off. The piles of white sawdust go red in the sound of his screaming. 
The sound is enough to finally bring the teachers down. I go quietly. After all, Mr. Claremont does owe me a favor. I walk up the stairs, arms pinned behind my back, and I think of the last things M ever said to me. Brick, tug, Frisco, pin. They were so much better than I love you. She gave me the thing I needed most. She gave me closure. M was a hell of a dame. <laughs> the end. Yay! Yay! Wow! Yes! Yay! Yes! Yes! Whoa! Oh, that was fantastic. That was awesome. <laughs> wow. Thank I'm you, really, really impressed. Mm-hmm. You right. actually took like those four words and you spun them into a plot. And not just like a tacked on, like rushed plot, like a really good like fully thought out uh, story ah it's impressive thank you (laughs) it was a mystery it was like a like what you're saying it's a fully fleshed out mystery you know with the breadcrumbs and everything and everything has rewards that's that's hard to do on a quick turnaround in five minutes time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was uh just typing as fast as i could (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Super fantastic. And that, like, that fight. There's so many things that are so damn close to Brick that I just, I gotta gush. But before we kind of get into what you did right, what you did wrong, um, just tell us about this process. How how did writing this go for you? Well, it was tricky. I gotta give Ryan Johnson some credit. Writing Brick is hard. (laughs) (laughs) So, I was very aware that it had to be a proper mystery. And that meant that there had to be misdirects, red herrings, and it couldn't just be very obvious what was going to happen. So I I focused on how I could build a story out of those four words and what the different possible meanings could be. And that was what I started with. Uh, I will say I'm disappointed as I realized that I had the lunk, uh, or the lug, turn off the saw and then it was still on later on oh, instead of having him turn okay. it back on but did not catch know. that <laughs> you know, that, i didn't that catch it either yeah <laughs> it's draft one what are you gonna do yeah so <laughs> it was it was fun um i enjoyed writing it but it, it takes time because you have to know the mystery before you can write it and yeah i was gonna make the comment so this one i'm gonna guess had a pretty lengthy outline to it it didn't have an outline at all actually whoa what uh, you free wrote this I I wrote it and I kind of started and stopped a couple times, um, but I had that first scene before I figured out the answer. Then I went back. One of the nice things about writing prose and not doing it live, even though I only had five minutes, is <laughs> you're able to go back and insert some things. Yep. So like the foreshadowing with Kara pulling her hair was something that wasn't there originally. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I, I had to do some research too on the uh, Frisco. <laughs> sure, Francisco. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that yeah. was that was fun. I like that. Yeah, and so just like looking at this work, as far as like comparing it to the original, which is honestly, it, there are there were things you got wrong in this, but I, it's it doesn't matter. You got the flavor so so i think pretty spot on 
like Andrew, you've probably seen this more than I have. What yeah. do you feel about like the overall feel, the aesthetics of the thing, the mood, the tone in comparison to the original? It's close. The original, although it is this gumshoe mystery, there's such a quirky, unique tone to it that's really hard to put a finger on that this I don't think hit, but this definitely hits what we describe to you um, as this noir story. Oh, very much. Yeah, and the... I mean, there are some things that are interesting. The fact that, um, that our main character has an office... Uh, as a as a kind of a, a home a headquarters uh, is doesn't happen in the thing. Um, I'm trying to think of some of these details. Uh, well, that he has a piece. Every- yeah, he had a he had mentioned his piece. He does not <laughs> yeah. have a piece in the in the movie. <laughs> like there's only one person with a gun in the whole thing, and I think that's Tug. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that I was going to mention is that people are keep calling him Fry. By his oh, last yes. name, and people Instead call him Brendan. Brendan. Yeah, yeah, in the movie. But yeah. uh, I do oh, want to. Yeah. Uh, Kara in your story is white, but that doesn't really matter. Is <laughs> you she? just said blonde hair, and that threw oh, threw that... me off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I do want to mention a couple of things. So right off the bat, as you may have noticed, we kind of freaked out a little, from, uh-huh. like very early on, and that's because yeah. my secret bonus points. Where I was like, he's got to mention some dame's gams or legs at some point. <laughs> and you're Dude, all I know. Immediately. Like, first sentence. Right in there. Oh, gosh. I was so happy. I think I missed the first couple of bits because I was so happy that you hit that right away. Um, but what I liked during that kerosene that really brought me in was watching Brendan's mind work. And how he was using his detective skills by reading her um, body language. And I really enjoyed that. I even wrote down a line because I loved it so much. Is that he saw her ice, eyes flash before her lips could lie. I loved that line so much. And again, nailing my bonus points of the gumshoe narration. Like that was peppered throughout. And very well done. Nice. Fantastic. And you got my uh, bonus points, obviously, because of our long-haired lug Chuck Burns. <laughs> and, boy. Not so long-haired at the end. <laughs> no, you really took advantage of that hair. Yikes. Yeah, fantastic. Ooh, that you was... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, I was Andrew. just going to say, that was one of, I think, the most grisly moments, if not the most grisly moment that we've had so far. Like, on the that's, show? I know, on, on I know that fiction? he didn't, like, die. Yeah, yeah. But he, gosh, getting scalped by a circular saw like that's pretty that's hardcore (laughs) and brendan plays it cool as a cucumber of course which is appropriate um so that was great i mean in general the fights or the fights the one fight in this thing to me is so accurate to the source because brendan is scrappy you know he's the best fighter in the province he is he's just you know he's he's smart he's a smart fighter he goes for that tube to try to disable the weapon um, but then gets caught up, you know, he still gets his ass kicked, which is great uh, that he doesn't c- win just handily. Like you set up this this fight so well in that there were actual stakes and we actually got scared for Brendan during that. It wasn't that he had a handle on it the whole time. We You actually ramped up the tension and the threat and just that's just a good scene. Nice. So congratulations. I think it's one of the best like pieces of writing that I've seen on this show. So that's... You, just really, really Thank nailed you. it. 
Um, what were your secret bonus points, Eric? My secret bonus points you also got <gasps> because I wanted to know what the brick was because we mentioned the word brick, but we I don't think we told you what it, what the brick is uh, in no, our setup. You didn't. So I just wanted to know what you thought brick was, and you gave it to us. I had said that I would be really happy if it didn't turn out to be drugs, but in the film, it is drugs as well. Sure. Possibly heroin, possibly coke. I don't know. So you you pretty much nailed the source material, but you got it. So you got my bonus points. You got my secret bonus points. You got all of our bonus points. That's a first. You like won the day, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, good job. Yeah. The only thing um, with the words that you didn't get on was Frisco. Uh, you got right that Frisco is in reference to a person, mm-hmm. um, but in the movie, Frisco was another student who took a bad hit of the brick because the brick was like the drugs were bad and it killed him. Um, was it wasn't Francisco Hernandez? It was not. <laughs> no, nope. from fifteen something medicine man. Uh huh. Nope. Good place for a drop though, because nobody nobody ever researches that guy. Yeah, but I think the yeah. sawdust thing was used in the movie at some point. Really? Yeah. Actual sawdust? I think they mentioned that at some point. Oof. Gosh, I'm trying to draw back to when we watched it, but I'm pretty well, positive that's well, mentioned. Our, our eagle-eared listeners will uh, will probably know and be able to tell us if if I hope so. Right about that. Um, but Marcus, I want to just uh, I want to just jump into our score. Let's do it. Ooh, be- can I say one thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. In, in deference to Mr. Johnson, who uh, I pointed out, I wasn't a big fan of Looper. Are we talking about Ryan Johnson thing. or your that's, wiener? That's the one. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm on a closer relationship with my wiener. I don't call him Mr. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Respect the office, excuse me. Employers. Um, anyway, <laughs> I had put in a Star Wars reference. Did you uh, oh. pick up on that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't either. Oh, I'm surprised. Uh, no, we usually pick up on those because there have been quite a few Star Wars references in your pieces. That's <laughs> what I have to do, yeah. Because Ryan Johnson, of course, directing Star Wars Episode Eight. Uh-huh. Um, so it was in the scene where he's in the pin and tugs lair. Mm-hmm. And it says the base of operations had plenty of compartments to hide things in they didn't want the teachers to see. I bet in all their time here, they never thought they'd be hiding their own dead bodies. Oh, because uh, you gave us a little wink during that line. And I was yeah. like, what is, is this a joke? And we were just dead silent. No reaction <laughs> at all. Um, all right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. smuggling reference. Yep. Yeah. Those eagle eared listeners will probably have caught that before us. So good job, listeners. All right. That's all I us. got. Yeah. <laughs> Well, fantastic. So, um, because you you nailed everything, um, and your story was just so well written, the mystery was set up perfectly. You worked in those four elements, even though you didn't have to. Um, you just you just nailed this one. So, congratulations. Um, for a score, I am going to say that you got a one hundred percent pure brick of cocaine. <laughs> no sawdust in that in Use that bitch whatsoever. Yeah, so be careful with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna give you two complete gams that run <laughs> just for miles. Uh, dead uh, gams, though. Dead gams. So. Perfect. That uh, amazing job. 
once again. And if you wanted to watch this, I, I highly recommend it. It's a really fantastic film. Um, Very by unique. Mr. Ryan Johnson. Uh, you can check it out on, uh, it's on the Netflix, right? No, Andrew? it's not. It wasn't. It, no, no, no. We watched it on Amazon. We had to rent That's it. That's right. We had to rent it. So it's mm-hmm. not on Amazon Prime at the moment. It's not on Netflix at the moment. But uh, yeah. it is. And I actually, it's a rental. in between watching it with you and recording this, I tried to go buy it in stores and I learned that the Blu ray is out of print. Oh. So you Ooh. are going to have to find it through not normal channels, I guess. It's probably so it's, available on Amazon through somebody. I'm sure. If we find it on Amazon, we'll put the link in the episode description on the website. Um, but yeah, before we take off, anything else from you guys? That's all I've got. I just want to say uh, this has been Andrew Neal for Sham Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sure and, has. And we'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. What's that I hear in the distance? A familiar flurry of fins and fiction? Next week, our very own Eric Carlson tackles a shamnado of epic proportions. Tune in for this modern sci-fi classic, that's sci-fi with an S-Y-F-Y, not sci-fi like science fiction, that we've been chomping at the bit to bring to you. Caution, you will get wet. Until then, I've got to, like, totally learn how to surf, bro.